This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series. Uh, I'm joined today as, I'm very happy to be joined in fact, uh, by Chris aka Gunner King 14. How you doing mate? You good, you well? Not too bad, Tom, yourself? Yeah, not bad. Uh, I am still getting a little bit of echo. As I say, you might just turn the volume down a bit. That usually solves the problem. Um, but yeah, not bad, mate. Was your new year good? Yeah, not too, not oh, no. too bad, not too bad. There Obviously, the the result wasn't great, so yeah, uh, or the last two results haven't been great, so that's not been ideal. But other than that, yeah, um, certainly can't complain. Uh, how no, about yourself? No, I think yeah, it was good. It was a good New Year's. To be fair, it was detached from Arsenal. I just as soon as that Fulham game finished, I just completely you know, tried to get away from it as, as best I could. But uh, we're back to it. And in January, certainly, um, we're going to need to be discussing transfers as well. We'll get on to that. This show is kind of designed, of course, I was, you know, perusing social media like the, the daredevil I am and come across a few uh, tweets of your own. I know you've been discussing and debating with a number of our own fans and rival fans as well, Chris. And I think that um, it was, it touched a couple of points and certainly you replied to one of my threads about, the situation with Arteta as well. So I thought, why not jump on for a chat and have a, have a kind of a chinwag about things. So where are you at with the manager and where are you at with the situation that we find ourselves in? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm disappointed with the situation. You know, I think um, two games that, in my eyes, we should have been winning. And, um, you know, I think when you're trying to challenge for the title, you know, certainly... Um, it raises questions, you know, about the, sort of the the ability for us to do that, and um, about the business that we did this summer um, in order to help us to do that, and, and over the coming years, I guess. But um, I'm still, I don't think the race is over. You know, I think it, it's a five point gap between us and Liverpool now. 
Um, there are 18 games left, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah. to play. Uh, a January window that's just open now uh, with an opportunity to kind of strengthen us, our ranks with players um, needed to return from injury. In terms of Arteta, you know, of course, there, there are things that I'm questioning um, about his management style and, and methods. I think for me, what I would say veering towards being red flags is is the rotation policy with certain players. Um, you know, I think if we look at the recent performances of Saka and Martinelli, I don't think it's, um, you know, probably been their best. Probably, you know, in terms of the start of the whole season, they haven't been at their best. But I'm seeing a lot of talk, a lot of talk on social media, you know, that they were never those guys, that Arteta isn't the guy to to get the best out of them and all these things. And look, I think if Arteta is to get the best out of them, he needs to realise that as good as they are, they can't be relied upon all the time, back-to-back games, every single competition. Saka this season, I think there was a run of three consecutive games where he showed signs of injury um, and got taken off. And that's not sustainable. You, you look at City with Phil Foden, as good a talent as he is, they have other more experienced talents around him. They have more quality around him so that if there is a dip in his form, a dip in his confidence, a dip in his fitness or any number of those things, they can take him out of the firing line immediately. Um, you know, and you'll see him Foden come back now, starting to play his best football again. You look at the young players at Liverpool, it's the same thing. You look at the young players at most of the elite clubs, you know, like Rodrigo, Vinny Jr., Real Madrid, as good as they are, as talismanic as they are to those teams, they know when to take them out of the firing line, you know, when to give them some rest. I think mentally the toil of being the talisman for a team like Arsenal, who have um, been in the doldrums, um, you know, for, for as long as we have, where the expectations from our fan base are as high as they are, especially after the expectations that were set last season, it's going to be taxing even for the most experienced and seasoned and, and hardened of professional players. And these are two 20-year-old kids, you know, like, so, I, I, you know, I think it's not just the physical side that I'm talking about. And yeah. if anything, it's actually more the mental side, you know, that, that I think, you know, we, we need to be concerned with, you know, I think Arteta mm. needs to be alive to this, you know, you, ever since, if you look at when Saka missed the penalty at the Euros to now, it's been nothing but pressure for him. You know, nothing yeah. but, you know, you are the face of Arsenal. You are the face of this project. And even if you are a kid, you're old enough, you're good enough, we don't care. You know, we are expecting you to deliver every single game without fail, you know, and it's got to be daunting, you know. And, and I think what we're reaching now is not a loss of ability. Um, you know, it's not a case of, oh, were they were they ever really that good? It's just a case yeah. of, you know, needing to sort of manage them a bit better in that respect. He's given Nelson a new contract, but he's not, he doesn't seem to be trusting him to use him, which I, I, think I find odd. And From we've seen what Trossard like can do. Nelson thing, it's, it's tricky to, it's tricky to see Reese Nelson, right? And for with all the respect in the world to Reese Nelson, like the drop off from 
you know, a, a fit and fire in Martinelli to, to Nelson is significant. You know, he for mm-hmm. me is better on the left hand side than the right. And I think the, mm-hmm. the next in line after Martinelli is, is Trossard. The next after Trossard should, in my opinion, be Smith Rowe. But at the moment it, it is Nelson because that is who Arteta is bringing on instead of Smith Rowe. And I, the, the contract thing is something that obviously I think gets held against Arteta sometimes within Ketia as well. Like, well, if he's mm-hmm. he's the one that's given Ketia a Nelson contract, so, you know, we've got to measure that. And the reason why we actually renewed those two players was because financially we weren't going to go into the market and spend more money on a winger and then more money on a striker because we couldn't afford to because we wanted to mm-hmm. spend the money on Rice and we wanted to bring in another attacking midfielder in, in terms of Havertz and we wanted to bring in another defender in terms of Timber. And, mm-hmm. and that in the end led to us wanting to also bring in a goalkeeper that we had to get on loan because of the profit and sustainability restrictions that we're working under. Mm-hmm. So for those that say that Nelson and Enketia, you know, we gave them new deals so we measure that. There is a reason why we did that because we would have lost them for free as well. And if we can sell them, it will be pure profit on our books. But I mm-hmm. see your point regarding rotation. But you look at kind of the best teams in the world, and I still think that nine times out of ten, they start the best players. You know, Salah starts every game for Liverpool, really, bar mm-hmm. maybe the odd one. Um, Manchester City start Haaland every game when he's fit, you know, bar the odd one. So mm-hmm. Saka and Martinelli the expectation for a title-winning side, if they are the best players, do you think, therefore, there is a fair expectation that they should start nearly every single game? Yeah, look, I think the expectation should be fair that the, the, they should start every single game um, mm. because they are two of our best players. They're, they're two of our top talents, you know. But, but I think the expectation should also be that any person, um, no matter how good they are, um at the age of 22 and uh, you know they're, they're still physically developing and they're still at an age where in order to to deal with that pressure and that burden of responsibility mentally they have to be prepared for it you know and i, I think those those other teams that we mentioned that, that that still play their best players yes harlan's 22 and he had a phenomenal season last season he's still got his kdbs there do you know what I mean? He's still got his Bernardo Silvers there. You know, even Diaz is 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 experienced for someone that, of his age. The, the amount of years he's been in the Premier League, Edison the same. Um, I think one thing I've called upon is is to raise the the floor of the experience level in this squad, and I think to a degree they've done that with the likes of Jorginho. Um, you know, I think Rice, even though he's only 24, he's come in. What he's experienced with West Ham, uh, winning silverware with them. Um, but I just think, you know, we need to raise the floor of the options on the bench or within the squad that can not only um, allow for them to be rested, but but also from a perspective of them getting better and developing to compete with them. You know, I think if if you're safe in the knowledge that no matter what you do, you're going to be selected because you're the best available option by far in that position, and it's such a big drop off with the options on the bench, then then maybe that might lead to a bit of complacency. You know, and I'm not I'm not accusing them of complacency, but I'm just saying in order in order to keep your squad at a competitive level, even if you look at it from this angle, we need better options that can compete with them. You know, we need better options that can facilitate for them to be rotated more. Um and look, you know, Bernardo Silva, Grealish. Um, you know, a Foden, um, Doku, 
these all fall into the category of City's best players, but they, they get yeah. rotated, you know, for this exact reason. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think that, you know, City obviously have got like a, a group of players all around the same kind of, you know, level in terms of Grealish and Foden and Doku and Alvarez and uh, and Bernardo Silva. And that kind of brings me quite nicely onto my next point because, you know, we talk about the strength of City there. Liverpool obviously as a side already with a pedigree of winning a Premier League title and a Champions League with their current manager as well. This season looking far, far better than they did last season, probably because of the, the amount of injuries that they, they've not had this year. They've obviously improved their squad with signings as well. Um, they've had Van Dyke available for the entirety of it, of course, as well. Um, do you think that Arsenal and Arteta being measured on being title challengers or a side that, in some people's minds, should be winning a title is an accurate? measurement oh we've lost oh god he's back he's back chris is back sorry about that sorry. um do you think it's an accurate measure in terms of kind of like how we judge arteta this season in the case of if he doesn't win the league there's serious questions to be asked is that a fair judgment i think yes and no um and i'm going to go with the yes mm. you know obviously yeah, yeah. you know we won we won or uh, we, we came second last season we were in mm. a commanding position to win and we didn't last season uh, there's been significant investment in the summer and throughout the time that Arteta has been here. Um, mm. And we're Arsenal Football Club, you know, like we we yeah. we want to expect the best things for this club based on its stature in this game, you know, our history and also the fact that it has been so long for us. Um, but the reality of, of that also leads me to know at the same time. Now, I think when you look at Liverpool and City and any of the other elite teams, there hasn't been the gap from Champions League football that there has been with this football club. Now, what that means um, is when, in order to facilitate the best version of themselves as teams, when they go to market with the stature of being a team that consistently, consistently challenges for the league, consistently challenges in the Champions League, is that the very best players are going to want to come to them. They're not going to have the reservation of, is this team that going to be a team that can consistently continue to challenge when I come? Because they have the track yeah. record, uh, demonstrable, of having done that for the last five or six years. Arsenal yeah. have been a team capable of challenging for the title for one season. Just one. Mm. We've mm. returned to the Champions League for the first time in six years. When you look at the situations with, say, a Vlahovic, a Locatelli, when we were trying to get them uh, you know, a couple of Januarys ago when they went to Juventus, a big caveat as to why they didn't was you don't have Champions League football. There's yeah. no real guarantee that you're going to get it by the end of that season. And lo and behold, yeah. in that season, we didn't. We finished fifth. You know, yeah, so yeah. this is the first summer window where we have been able to go into the window as a team that has Champions League football and as a team that has been challenging for a title. You know, and we've used one window with the ability to access what I call the top echelons of the market. The, the, the very best players, the majority of those, they want to play for title challenging teams and they want to play in the Champions League, you know, but they want to know that those conditions are on sound footing, that, that that's something yeah. that's been fairly consistent. The last part we, about it, the sound we, we footing. We got the players we wanted, you know, yeah. this season. Like Rice and Havertz and Raya and Timber, like be it no matter what people's debates are about those players individually, they're the players that we wanted. So you <laughs> rewind back to 2022. We wanted Lissandra Martinez, didn't get him. We wanted Rafinha, 
didn't get him, you know, because we didn't, as you say, have Champions League football. This time around, we've got the players that we wanted. Mm-hmm. We've got the players that are... T- I'm sadly one of those, obviously, we've lost over the course of this season, which I think does come into the context of this season mm-hmm. for sure and about how and where we finish. But we used that, didn't we, that window to do what we wanted? I think we did, yeah. But but I think if we go back to the point that you made about Nelson and Niketia, yeah. from the perspective yeah. of raising the floor of, say, the first eleven, we got yeah. the players we wanted. But then yeah. renewing the contracts of, of these players as a mm. result of the huge overlay for the players that we wanted to impact the first team significantly. That's the next part. That's what I'm saying. I don't think this squad development process is complete. And that's not me saying this. No, it's not. Just because of the last two games. I said that at the start of the season, you know, like we look at the striker situation now, you know, I think a lot, you know, when the window closed, go back to my content, it was saying, you know, what I'm saying now was the same. Then I would have wanted to get another striker. I think yeah. Saka needs more competition on the right wing. Um, I think Partey's fitness was is something that for years I've not been prepared to gamble on, and lo and behold, that's let us down again. Um, yeah. And but to be, I think the fullback sides as well, like with Tommy Asu, sure. he's been good this season. He's been yeah, good really when good. he's been fit, but that's the, that's the, that's the issue again when he's been fit. Zinchenko is great in that inverted space, you know, in in from the left-back one, but when you need a bit more defensive security and you're relying on Tommy Asu to deputise with him as backup and Kiriro, it's, it, this is the thing. I, I, I still think there's a lot more that this squad needs to do. And I think in order to do that, we was always going to need two more windows anyway, minimum, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. And not only that, it's like, for the people that turn around and say, and I think you're right to say we need more here, more there, and I think we do. You know, I agree with you. I think you know, centre forward is an area that needs work. I think we need another versatile forward in terms of speed and depth in the wide area to replace Nelson. Um, mm. You know, replacing Enketia to make Jesus the backup and have somebody better than him at centre forward. I think we need another midfielder because we've obviously got a lot of players that are leaving. As you said, we can't rely on Partey's fitness. I think we need another defender as well to help mm. the depth in those areas because whilst we've got a lot of versatile players. Tommy Asu has got injury problems. Zinchenko has injury problems. Ben White's been carrying a knock for the most of this season. Saliba, of course, missed the end of last season. Um, you've got uh, Kivior, of course, who's still developing as well. And Timber, of course, we know has, has been out for a long period. We don't know how he's going to return from this knee injury. So I think we are one short in defence as well. But mm-hmm. the criticisms to the club that that's not been done, I can't get on board with because, as we know, there was only so much we could do in terms of the financial capacity that we had to spend now there is an argument that the money we spent on Kai Havertz could have been spent differently and I think there is a debate there about that yeah. now I agree Kai Havertz is still the judge the jury is still out on Kai Havertz in terms of whether he is going to be a good signing we've seen some not so good things we've seen some really good things he's one of some really big points for us this season but we don't know if that's going to work out yet and I'm I can't personally I wouldn't expect anyone realistically to make a conclusive judgment on on Kai Havertz yet uh, before at least the end of the season. So mm-hmm. do you think it's therefore unfair perhaps to look at this team and say, well, we haven't finished building this squad yet for a title challenge, but you're also saying that he should be judged as a title challenging manager? Yeah, I mean, look, I think he, I think he should be ju- judged as a manager capable of challenging for mm. a title. He showed that last season with 
yeah a, a thin bread a, a thin um bread squad you know like mm. a, a mm. thread bit of thin or like whatever that term is but Fred bear <laughs> yeah Fred bear that's that's the one that i was looking for but yeah he showed he's shown obviously that he's capable of doing that with relatively little in terms of backup you know but last season you know a large number of the teams that would have challenged weren't in a good space liverpool are back now now Villa are, are going strong. Spurs are only a point behind us. So, yeah. you know, I think we should have always expected that the other teams were going to be better this season. And that's happened. But we're still there and thereabouts. Um, I don't I don't want to reduce the standard by saying that he shouldn't be judged to that um, level. Because I think, you know, after, when you've given him what you've given him in the summer, um, we should we that's what we should be doing we should be challenging for this title and look people are saying five points off it's already done in january with 20 games yeah, left no, theoretically no. as far as i'm concerned we are still within that challenge we finished behind city at last season by five points and we're still on the same level of points as city you know, so yeah be it they've got a game in hand so yeah we should we should be judging our to that standard the team to beat do you think Liverpool are more of the team to beat the Man City, or do you still have City as your favourites? It's very early to say. Um, I think well, it's we're close. We're more than halfway through the season now. Pardon? We're more than halfway through the season now. Yeah, I think we're more than halfway through the season. Um, I think we've been judging City based on KDB not being there. And yeah. word on the street is he's returned now return to fitness yeah. um and could play a part in the Huddersfield game will play a part in the Newcastle game I'm being I'm hearing from City fans so that's mm-hmm. going to be a huge difference for them um Liverpool has still only lost one game and it's debatable they sh- well they we know they shouldn't have lost that game to Tottenham yeah. you know so um I think maybe from the perspective of just judging on how the teams have performed so far Liverpool are top for a reason um you could maybe look at it from that perspective they're the team to beat but city are reigning champions and and of this era like the last four or five years they they have dominated so they've got the know-how more than anyone even liverpool so well um yeah i mean i think they're both the team to beat i don't want to seem like i'm sitting on the fence but you can i think think you can say they're both are yeah 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 I just think... Yeah, I I think that Liverpool are... You know, you look at the games they have left as well. Their fixture list till, between now and the end of the season is also favourable towards mm-hmm. them. You know, um, yes, they have to come to us um, still. And, and that game in February is, is, is obviously absolutely monumental. I think beating them in the FA Cup would be a huge boost for us and obviously probably a damaging blow to them. I do not want to replay, you know, in that game. That would be horrific to have to play another game against Liverpool this season. Mm. Um, I think that if Arsenal are able to do a little bit of business, I don't expect loads. I mean, what are you really expecting from this January window in, in realistic terms? And what do you think is a realistic expectation for this window? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question, to be honest. Um, look, we we know what the limitations are with FFP having to buy Raya um, on loan with an obligate or option to buy. I think at the end of the season, um, I think we need a minimum of two players. I think that defensive player that that is malleable to the whole back line 
that, that can play anywhere across the back line. Another another Tomiyasu profile uh, would be welcomed. And I think that is something we can do. You know, I think, you know, we, I, I would really love a striker. And that's I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I just think, you know, a striker, you're going to pay a premium in January. There's mitigation to see why the club might leave that for the summer. I don't see that mitigation with this defensive-minded player. Like, you know, I think there are a lot of good options in the market. Um, a lot of options that might not cost as much. Um, so I, I think that is essential. Tommy Asu's fitness, um, his form isn't an issue for me. Like I think he's been quality this season when he's been fit. Um, he's at the Asia Cup of Nations as well. So we're not going to be able to rely on him for that time. And uh, Ben White playing through pain and through injury, I don't, that, that doesn't infuse me at all. So, um, can we go and get that player? Uh, I think Zinchenko's form when we're playing against low block teams uh, that aren't going to have so much of the ball, use him. But against these Liverpools, against these cities, against even a Tottenham or a Villa, teams that have got really, really good wingers that, that are able to really kind of uh, cause damage down, down Zinchenko's side where you might want a bit more defensive security, I have concerns, you know, so... Um, even at that, getting that profile might mean that you can play Zinchenko in midfield as well, which is another thing that I've called for. That you know, that I think trying him in that left centre mid role um, with another good option at left back, I, that that's what it does. It, it can unlock so many possibilities. So I think that defensive player is a must. Um, our attack, I think there's two ways we could look at it. We either try and get a striker now. And I would prefer that option, most definitely. Um, in the event we can't, we go and get that right winger or that um, sort of attacking player that can impact from a number of positions, including the central striker one, uh, that is able to get goals, be clinical above all else, um, but allows for a more healthier rotation um, policy uh, with 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 those players in the front three, uh, yeah. I think yeah that that's that's what my expectation is for this window. Really? So how many players is that in total? What two or three? Two, two. two. Yeah. So so either a striker or or an attacker that can play across the line, and a defender yeah. that can play across the back line. Yeah. See, As a longer term that, thing, like... I would like another central midfielder. Yeah, of course. Um, Ideally, we'd like three or four. <laughs> you know, yeah. that'd be great. Um, yeah. But realistically, like with the, the profit and sustainability restrictions that we've got, I'd, I'd, I'd struggle to see more than one coming in. Um, the only way I, I don't see, uh, the only way I see us spending more is if we sell. So there's suggestions that West Ham are interested in Reese Nelson. If you can get 50 million quid for him, I mean, I saw, I think it was Eduardo Hagen who, you know, there's better people to follow <laughs> in terms of opinions. We're saying that there's uh, 30 million quid we can get from him, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and I think that the idea that the Arsenal fans still are absorbed in this idea that our players are worth millions and millions and millions, they're not. Reese Nelson will go for between, I would hope, about around 15 million pounds. It'd be great if we can get that. Eddie Nketiah, if someone came in with 30 to 35 million pounds for Nketiah, I'm taking it. I'm taking that. You know, if, if we get to 40, great. But if you can get to mm -hmm. 35 million for Enketia, I'm taking that. 
And then you've got 50 million quid from those two Haylenders. That's pure profit. There's no transfer fee associated with those two because they came through the academy. Reinvest that that 50 million. If you look at Liverpool, they got Gakpo for 30 odd million quid. We got Erdegaard for 30 million. We got Jesus for 45, Zinchenko for 30. Like there's deals to do around that 30 million pound price tag. And I think you can add depth in defence, and I think you can add depth in either the midfield or in the versatile forward position with that money. I don't expect a centre-forward with that money. I think the idea of signing a centre-forward in January that gives us the quality that we need, I just don't think is within reach in January. I think that's a summer thing when we've got another year of, of financial um, kind of things to to look at, which would, would change things. But yeah, I, I don't see anything more than 50 million being spent, and that's only if we sell someone. Yeah, I mean, look, I've been seeing all kinds of reports, you know, like some saying that we've got, we can only spend another 40 million without sales. Um, mm, mm. I, I do, I do think we do need to look at sales in January. I think I don't yeah. see any other way about it. Like, look, I'm one of big ESR's biggest fans, but Arteta doesn't seem to be giving him a look in. I, I do believe that Nelson can play more of a part in this squad, but Arteta's team selections don't seem to mirror that. Um, Niketia, I love, you know, I think he's a, a great player, a fantastic professional. Um, but in terms of being that guy that can push Jesus, that can compete with him, yes, he's a better finisher, fair enough. Um, but I think what we saw against Fulham yesterday, or sorry, the other day, the difference with West Ham, there was lots of chances. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com no clinical edge because Jesus has his ability to link up with the players around him is so much it's so levels above you know what what Niketia can do that you're almost better off taking the risk with him as a worse finisher because your attack as a whole is more potent with him playing and you look at Fulham by contrast how little we created you know how, how stale and how stagnant we looked in the, in the final third that shows, you know, to a degree. I don't like to use one games as examples, but we've seen that in a lot of games when Nikita has played, where, you know, sort of in front of goal, in the box, great, but outside of it and earlier in build-up, is he that guy? You know, like so, you know, I think looking at the Ramsdale rare situation, I don't, I don't know if he makes that decision now or if he makes it in the summer, but the potential yeah. is there. With Ramsdale, if he's on the bench, there is interest there for him. And um, yeah, great. I, yeah, I think uh, so. What Ramsdale, uh, Niketia, uh, Smith Rowe, Nelson, um, and Thomas Partey is another one. 
Um, and I yeah. would put. Pop- I, don't think, I don't think you can sell him in January because of obviously the injury situation. Um, but for the yeah, summer, but- he's definitely one I'm selling. So I think I'm, I am. I am seeing that there there is interest in him. Um, you know, at the moment, and um, yeah. I, I don't know if it's true or not, but I don't think he's been selected for Ghana for for Afcon. No, I don't not, know if that's no, because the injury stops him from playing. That he's he's out for the majority of January, you would imagine, because of that injury, because of that decision. Yeah, um, I think. Look, if an offer comes, I, I, you know, I think it's difficult with party because a fit party in the running for the back end of the season, I would want. Um, but if you were to have yeah. me sit here and rest my hat on him staying fit throughout that running, no chance. I can't do that. So this is if the someone, worst if someone season, offers me. I, I've done a piece about Partey coming out now. Uh, in about 20 minutes, which details the entire history of Partey's injuries at Arsenal. And this this season is the worst. Like last, I don't think it's any surprise that the, the season we really competed for the title last season, it was his best season in terms of availability. He missed like five games in the league all year, so all season. So this season he's played five games, if that. I think maybe even four. So <laughs> the idea that we would... Have him back for the rest of the season is guaranteed. You're right to to say that that that's not an expectation that that we can have. Um, I, I want to get back onto the expectations a bit because there's people in the chat box having a bit of a chat about things. I, I find some of them. I, I feel like the the expectations have gone a bit mad for the club because of what we did last season. And so I saw a, a comment. Let me see if I can find it. It says Ian says I think winning a cup, which would be the FA Cup, you'd imagine. Um, second place finish with a disappointment that we could have done it this year with City winning it and a Champions League semi is an okay season. Like the idea that winning the FA Cup and finishing second in the league and getting to a UCL semi-final is quote unquote an okay season. I think that that in itself is the perfect example of where expectations have gone mad with this club. But what do you think? I think this is the thing. We we benchmark our expectations on what we've seen Arsenal do. You know, like you know, yeah. what we saw Arsenal yeah. doing last season. The way, you know, I do think for 60, 70% of last season, we were the best team in England. Um, you know, one of the best teams in Europe, for for sure. And I think that, that raises your expectation level. But City and Liverpool have strengthened in, in, in good areas. And, and they've got the experience... They've got the know-how. And like I said, most importantly, they've had access to the Champions League level market, the, the, the top echelons of the player market for a long time now. And um, I think where my expectations are in terms of I'd want to assess things at the end of the season, um, I don't think that would be a bad season. I think it would be better than an OK season, but I, I still would have... Well, it's a good season, that, I think. Yeah, I think for, for where we've come from, um over the years i i mean i was saying you know i think the champions league semi-finals if we don't get there at the very least i'll be disappointed i'm not expecting us to win it after yeah, six years of not being in it, in the quarters, I guess, isn't it? Like if you draw yeah. city or real madrid in the quarters and get knocked out i'm not going to be like well you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you know, you know. yeah I, but i just think in terms of like we're competing in the champions league a lot of it comes down to the, that experience you know and our best players many of them are playing their first Champions League campaign. So I was never expecting mm. us to go and win it this season. But the semi-finals yeah. is kind of where my benchmark is at. Yeah, it's achievable. 
yeah. we couldn't beat Sporting in the Europa League last season. So, you know, we need to get past Porto first. And they're no mugs. You know, they're better than... Oh, I say they're better than Sporting. They're currently behind them, I think, in the Portuguese league. But they've mm. got plenty of quality and, you know, they've beaten plenty of sides. And we've never won in, in Porto as a club. You know, historically, we've never won there. They've never won in London either at Arsenal. So, you know, there's some history between the two sides. But the Champions mm. League is is certainly an opportunity this season. Like, I always, whenever in the Europa League, I could never get up for the Europa League. I always struggle with it because it's a competition that if you win, a bit like the League Cup, no one cares. Like, no one cares that Man United won the Europa League when they did. No one cares that Man United won the League Cup when they did, I think, last season. Like, no one cares. Last season, yeah. like, if you're a rival fan and Man United are going, well, we won the League Cup and I'm like, good for you. I don't give a, you know, <laughs> I really don't care that you won the League Cup. And mm. that was the same with the Europa League for me is that if we won that, yes, it would get us Champions League qualification. It's just, it's different. The FA Cup's different for me. The FA Cup is historically, the, the you know, it's the most storied cup competition in the world. And I think get disparaged all the time. It is a major trophy, the FA Cup. And I think it gets talked about, it gets talked down far too much. People say, I talked down about the League Cup as I just kind of did there. But the FA Cup is just different to the League Cup. Like the FA, the, the League Cup gets tarnished by the fact it has sponsorships in its name and, you know, stuff like this. Like, it's just not the same. Like you have two-legged semi-finals and teams putting out the kids in that competition and you get to like the, the semi-finals in like February like it's or even January so it's 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 different the FA Cup is a major trophy and like Hugh says here just winning an FA Cup is just an okay season a successful season is winning the Prem or the Champions League now I'm not going to debate the point that winning the Prem and the Champions League is successful it is but what I would say Chris is that is that if we were to win the Premier League or the Champions League, I would say that we'd overachieve this season still. Absolutely. Because Man City are the favourites of both of those. I'd argue that Real Madrid are above us as well in the Champions League and potentially Bayern too. Mm. Um, you've got obviously Liverpool in the mix for the title. Villa having a fantastic season, of course. Um, Spurs are up there as well. You know, if we won either of the, the Premier League or the Champions League, we would have overachieved again this season. How can overachievement be the expectation is what I'm saying it's a great question mm. my answer would be it can't yeah and it, it's this is the thing it's it's a very difficult reality for people to grasp because it's been so long you know like yeah. I think it I think I, I can find it a bit easier to grasp because I've seen us I've seen us do I've seen us win the league you know I think this the younger generation of Arsenal fan uh, you know like that was born post 2004 hasn't the patience might not be there but it, the expectation that overachievement should be the standard i, I don't think it's possible now that's not like police you know the the standard police are going to come and they're going to come at me they're going to oh, want to arrest me after this show for saying this guys. but what <laughs> i'm saying is the expectation yeah. right now isn't healthy but I believe that over the course of the next two to three summer windows, the ability for those achievements to be more within our grasp would be more realistic. And if they're not, that's when I ask questions. And that's because yeah. the if 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 Arteta's project had centered around rebuilding this squad using players that were seasoned professionals, you know, the that had been there, that had done it, that had won it, that, you know, that you're sparing no expense to buy, you know, my expectations would naturally be different. But like I said, Martinelli, Saka, Saliba, 
Gab- no, Gabriel's played with Lille in the Champions League. Um, well, my bad. Sure, um, still, he was only like twenty-one. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you know, uh, Raya, Ramsdale, you know, all all these players that they're in their first Champions League campaign, man. <laughs> you know, the, you know, for the for the expectation to be there that we can we can be using a squad of players with largely have no experience in the Champions League, rock up to it after not being in it after six years. Um, you know, with with the likes of City, Real Madrid, and Bayern, who I think are the, are the three candidates, you know, to be looking at. I don't think it's healthy, you know. But what what I've looked at, or what, the way I I'm seeing things, is more in a two or three year cycle, and that's not that's not me, you know, sort of lowering my standard or or trying to buy time. It, it's just a sense of realism. I think the main thing that we need is to remain competitive, you know, so that the Vlahovic's and the Locatelli's of a few years ago, when we knock at the door now, it's like, okay, well, you've been competing at a consistent level for a lot longer. You're a lot less of a flight risk. So then the the ceiling of the quality of players that we can attract goes up. So when you're going to market, you can attract better players. And as your, as your num- as the number of squad gaps reduces in your squad, you can then apportion much more resources to singular targets to, again, raise the ceiling of the quality of the players that you can bring in. So I believe with these things, two to three years, you know, and it's not going to be what people want to hear, but it's what I've said all along. Go to my TikToks, go to my YouTubes, go to my Twitter. You know, I want us to win something this season. I want the expectation to be there that we can win this season. But do we just sit there and throw the baby out with a bar for her if yeah. we don't win something? Well, yeah. it would have to depend on the circumstances we do that in. If if we come out of the Champions League places, um, you know, with a fully fit squad, you know, go out to Porto, go out in the third round of the FA Cup, I'm going to be asking some serious questions. You better, you better frigging believe me. I will be asking those questions, but... For sure, yeah. If we don't, if we yeah. don't, if we don't progress past Porto in the Champions League, and we finish outside the top four, I, I'm going to be asking why, well, how the hell that has that happened? You know, yeah. how has that happened? So, but, but likewise, the difference if we between finish Arsenal second, and like Arsenal of like the, I remember we used to ask questions about like the Cronkies and the ownership saying like the ownership clearly don't care about winning trophies. The ownership don't care about X, Y, Z. Like that, we know that now not to be true because. Since 2018, when they took full control, all we've seen is money being invested to the point where we are at the limits of what we are allowed to spend financially. You know, there is clearly an intention. If you speak to anyone around the club, and Arteta mm-hmm. will tell you this himself, like the ambition is to win everything. That is what they want to do. And that's what they're working to try to do. So it's never a and question the is, about the aim. Go on. I was going to say, sorry, sorry to interject there. As we become more competitive and consistently in the Champions League, consistently in the top two, three or, or one position of the league, your TV and your prize money increases, your sponsorship money goes up. So the resources that will be available for us, if we at the least continue to remain competitive, are going to go up. That's going to make our troubles with being um, FFP compliant a lot, a lot less. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we have to do that by being better at selling. You know, we need to be. I say be better at selling. The whole be better at selling thing is is a separate debate in itself because, as I've said time after time after time, 
Edu could only work with the resources that we had, the players that he had to sell. And if there's not the players, if people don't want our players that he inherited, there's, it's difficult to do that. I think he did really well in the summer to get 35 plus million for Balogun. He did really well to get 22 million for Xhaka. You know, like we did well to get these price tags for players in the end. I think we got pretty close to, to you know, 80 to 100 million in terms of sales in the summer of the players that we eventually let go of. Mm-hmm. Um we just need to make sure that when players that Arteta is no longer using, like as we've already talked about, Nelson, Smithrow, Ramsdale, when we sell these guys, we need to get good fees. Now, we need to be realistic, and I'm not saying 30 million for Nelson. You know, that's what we need to look at. That's what we need to improve in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, totally spot on. You know, I think we need to we need to improve in in the selling of players i think the other the other caveat that made selling players early on under edu different uh, difficult sorry a lot of people were like well we're not very good at it he inherited cedric no no he inherited did he well arteta inherited cedric on loan but then they i don't know if you bought him or no, not no no but... arteta signed cedric on loan and marie there was yeah. his first two signings marie and cedric because it was like we had to do that deal. Like we, we, we had to do that deal because we yeah. had no money in that January window, and he wanted two defenders in to help us. So that they did the two deals that we, that and, we had to do. And and the issue is the player leveraged that, you know, with his contract. So you know, last season Fulham took him on loan. They wanted to buy him. They couldn't afford his wages. You know, so a lot of yeah. the a lot of the teams that are in are interested for the players that we have. Um. A lot of the players that inherited under Edu and Arteta that they wanted to move on were on bigger wages than the teams that were interested in them, given the, the, the low-level quality, were willing to pay in terms of wages. It's not just the transfer fee. So there's been a complete overhaul of the wage structure. Um, I think if you look at the players that Arteta's bought now, I think Odegaard's a great example. Um, we took Joe Willock. An academy product. I think we sold him for 25 million. Uh, registered that as pure profit because he was an academy product. Added another five million on and got Odegaard. Now, listen, I think Joe Willock's a good player. I, I can honestly say he will never, he will never reach the levels that Odegaard has shown me. I don't think. I, I feel like I can say that with good authority um, because Odegaard has shown me such a high ceiling and he's still developing. I just don't think Willock's ever going to be that guy. We we go to sell. Odegaard now, and I'm not saying we should want to, we're getting more than 30 million for him. You know, Ben White, 50 million. Um, we we get our 50 million back. I think we can get a profit. He's shown what he can do at centre back and right back. White, then. Are, you, are you at the point where you'd sell him? No, 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 no. I'm not no, the, no. I'm not saying that just we hypothetically, sell yeah, what we would get. Like Arteta yeah. has improved the players that he plays, yeah, without a doubt. I think the, theoretically, if we look at if we if we were in a situation where we'd be selling any of the players um, or many of the players, I won't say all of them, but many of the players that have come in under the Arteta and Edu regime, we will be getting profit. There will be more interest in them. They're, they're, the wage structure that we've put in place isn't going to make their wage prohibitive to moving them on. But we just need to be patient with what has been inherited and moving that on because that's not in that same category, you know. So... I think that's how we improve selling players. I think in the next four or five years, we will see a much improved streamlined process of selling players and we'll be getting more of a return for selling players because the quality of the players that we're bringing in is better, but they're not being put on these big wages 
um, overnight. They're having to work for it, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think we need to improve there. Um, and I think also what, what, what we need to look at is, you know, sort of how we do that. Uh, and also kind of, like I said, you know, like looking at, increasing the revenue of, of, of the, you know, the club and how it generates it. And look, you look at all the kits, you, I think all the, all the sponsors, um, you know, the sponsorship money went up because of the Champions League football. Yeah, you might turn your nose up and maybe not winning something, but staying in that competitive range where you're still getting the Champions League money. But doing that consistently over a period of time significantly improves the quality of players you can bring in because it gives you more resources and it increases your pull in the transfer market. And that greatly increases the probability of bringing in the players that are going to be capable of pushing you to that next step. You know, so those are the two things we need to do for me, you know. Um, we haven't really touched upon, I suppose, the we've talked about transfers, we've talked about um, sales, of course, as well, and, and what the squad still needs. But this Arsenal team did score 88 Premier League goals last season. And now our front three has not scored more than Dominic Solanke in the Premier League this season. So clearly what we've got is a team that's capable of that. What's stopping us from doing it? I think there's a lot of things. There's a lot, a lot of things. Um, so I think with Thomas Partey in build-up, I think... You know, look, Declan Rice has been outstanding for us. So, you know, I've been really, really pleased. He's exceeded even my expectations for how good he would be, how much of a level raiser he is in that midfield. But he came from a team that, yes, won the Conference League last season, uh, but that was in a relegation dogfight and um, is quite used to being against teams that are better than them, better at keeping the ball. That, that have more technical and offensive security. Um, so he played in a team that were probably set up in lower mid-blocks a lot more. Now he's in a possession-dominant team who are facing lower mid-blocks week on week for fun. That that ability to kind of find a way through that with your passing, with with the range of your passing, you know, like with with the, the execution of your passing, um, with Thomas Partey, I think this is a huge thing for us. Huge thing. I, I I really cannot overstate the importance of this. You know, like the one thing that he will give you is some of my football coaches would used to say to me, the first pass is the right one. And if you believe that you have the ability to execute that line breaking pass by just having a glimpse of it in your periphery, Thomas Partey is that guy. Rodri's that guy. You know, what separates them from Casemiro last season is this ability I'm talking about. And when when Odegaard sees Partey receive that ball, Martinelli and Saka, they get straight on their bike because they know he's making that pass. I'm not saying Rice is more hesitant. What I'm saying is he doesn't yet possess that ability because he hasn't been as accustomed to playing in a team that dominates possession, that wants to take that risk of threading the ball through two or three midfielders or in between fullback and centre-back. He's got a great crossfield diagonal pass. Unreal. You know, like, that can find people in place, in space, sorry. Great switch of play. But it's just that in, in the build-up, you know, when it's the one-two, the neat touches, 
when you're having to make these passes when you're under a bit of pressure because you'll be impressed Thomas yeah. Partey oozes class in doing this and I think that helps you when you're going forward um I think another thing as well that isn't helping us the the loss of Granite Xhaka um in terms of yeah. the fluidity that he gave you in the left center mid role he seemed to understand it uh, to have understood it more intimately than Havertz has so far and it doesn't surprise me Havertz has spent his last couple of seasons playing as a false nine striker he, last time he was in midfield was at Leverkusen but with Xhaka you know he's he's been in that role 12 to 18 months he'd been at Arsenal for a few years and he'd been managed for Arteta the whole time so it, it intimately and intrinsically he's going to understand our system and the nuances of playing in that role a lot better um and I think Havertz needing to acclimatise to that level and Rice needing to acclimatise to that level with Partey uh, and probably going for a trial by fire where the loss of Xhaka and and then that being compounded with the injury of Partey, um, meaning that Rice was probably put straight away in that sixth role because I don't believe he would have been. I believe that him and Havertz would have rotated in that eight role to slowly acclimatise with Partey staying in that sixth role to um, allow for a slow adaptation to Rice playing in the sixth role once he's then kind of picked up that ability to to, to line break um, to a higher standard uh, and where Havertz has kind of understood how to play in that left centre mid role. You know, all of a sudden Rice is having to play the six because Partey's been injured and, and Havertz is then trying to acclimatise in that left centre mid role at the same time. And I think we've just kind of overloaded ourselves with change in that area because of it. And I think what that's doing is it's robbing us of fluidity in the final third. I, um, I think this is also being compounded with what we were speaking about at the beginning of the show with Saka and Martinelli being overplayed um, or, or not rotated in a way that probably would be conducive to them keeping their best form more consistently. Um, and like, I mean, Jesus has always raised questions in terms of how clinical he can be. And um, I, I think that's something he needs to improve to help us as well. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think those are the things that I would look at that really haven't helped us in the fluidity of our build-up in attack. I don't actually think a lot of people centre around the problem being in the final third with Jesus not being clinical. I actually think it's the earlier phases of build-up and 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 how that robs you of the fluidity of the ball and progressing it into the box. I think that's in itself a big problem as well. Re well, not a big problem, but relative to last season, it's not quite hit those heights yet. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that there are obviously reasons. I think there was a lot of planning in the summer that has been undermined with the injury to Timber um, and the significant loss of Partey this season, of course, as well. Um, that, that has changed things dramatically. Obviously, there are outside factors like how other teams are playing against us compared to last season. Teams are playing a lot more different to what they were against mm. us as well. And that's given us new challenges that, that we have yet to, to find answers to. I think that there are mistakes that have been made this season. There are things I would scrutinise of Arteta. I think the goalkeeper situation is unnecessary. I think that... Um, 
I think that we need to manage the squad better in certain scenarios and give other players chances. As you said earlier, I think Smith Rowe, I talked about this morning, Smith Rowe has not been used um, enough um, at all. I really don't get that Smith Rowe situation, you know. Mm. Um, it's, It's what... I just think there is an opportunity there, especially I would start Smith on the left wing against Liverpool personally. I just think that Martinelli is in such a rut of form, take him out, but Trossard's not too great from the start. So Smith Rowe should, should come in for me on that left-hand side. I'd also play Havertz up top. I'd take him out of the midfield. I'd move him into a centre-forward role. He's shown his best football when he's in the box. So get him in the box all the time. You know, um, I think he can play that full time role. I think he can link up play. I think he can become a bit of a target man for us. If Jesus isn't doing it right now, then use him in a wide area if you need to as well. You don't have to use him as a centre forward. So just think we need to use what we've got as well. Arteta talks about finding solutions with what we've got. People shouldn't get annoyed at that because, as I said, this team did score 88 goals last season. We're clearly capable of far more than we're producing. We want to see more done in the market, but there are blockades to that but Chris I think we've covered such a high amount of ground in today's show thank you for your time mate. tell people where they can find you yeah um, so um, yeah first of all thanks for having me on Tom and uh, yes yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure as always um, predominantly on Twitter um, you know Gunner King 14 is, is my handle there um, I also post uh, TikTok content um, you know daily as well with the same handle uh, one of the founding members of the the Armory TV channel uh, on YouTube. Check that out um, as well. Um, so I'd say those are the main places. Um, but, you know, I, I regularly kind of jump on other channels and, and sort of cameo um, all the time as well. But th- those are sort of my free go-to places. Sounds good, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate your time uh, as well. And thank you to those that have listened as well. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation and chat. Uh, I've been engaging with a fair few of you in the chat box whilst we've been going through the show as well. Thank you so much for listening live. If you want to leave any of your thoughts on the topics that we've discussed there, you can do that down in the comments section below. And before you go, if you would be ever so kind to leave a like, I'd appreciate it. And of course, as we head towards our target for 2024 of trying to get as many subscribers as there are inside the Emirates Stadium, please indeed do hit that subscribe button we are uh closing in you know we're just under seven thousand, i think away from that target now so please do continue to support us we really appreciate it i'll see you again very very soon have a fantastic day and as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Oh. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.